Welcome. Thank you for joining us for this episode from Avondale Baptist Church. We are so happy to be sharing the Word of God with you and hope that this message is a blessing to you. And now, here's Brother Richard. Spiritual awakening and renewal. Revival. How many would you how many of you would say that we need a revival in our homes, in our churches, in our community, in our nation, and around the world? We need a revival, and we're going to be uh, spending a few couple of weeks speaking about a revival, a spiritual awakening, a spiritual awakening and you know i've been working um on this message we just finished our know-it-alls and we've talked about some people in the bible who who knew it all and when they had their encounter with christ they were at the 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 split at the road where either they're going to follow him or they're just going to ignore him you know, and just go the other way and continue to go their way. And and I pray that you learn that out of all that, that the gospel is for everyone. It doesn't matter how smart you are. It doesn't matter your educational level. It doesn't matter the color of your skin or, or nationality or anything like that. The gospel is for everyone around the world. Amen. And it's our job and our influence, our realm of influence, to be mission-minded and to go out and reach people for the gospel. Isn't that awesome that God wants to use us, wants to use you, wants to use me to be part of his story? Isn't that amazing? Like, it still blows my mind that God would want to use Richard Acuna from a small West Texas town named Sweetwater, uh, Sweetwater Acuna, Sweetwater, Texas, to be part of his story. Young or old, it doesn't matter. As long as we are willing to surrender to him, And allow him to work. Allow the Holy Spirit to lead us. Man, we don't have to worry about anything. Right? (laughs) We were talking about that in our Sunday school class, you know, just allowing the Holy Spirit to work and to share and to be vulnerable and and just to serve the kingdom of God in in different areas in our lives and and just how amazing it is to be part of that. I always like to ask the church a question for you to think about, for you to ponder on throughout the week. And I was like, Lord, what's the question? What what question do you want me to ask your people? Man, it's just something simple. When was the last time you've encountered Christ? When was the last time that you had your encounter with Christ where it just blew your mind? 
that love was just so overwhelming that you, the only thing you could do is just cry, right? Where you just experienced his love. No matter, you know you don't deserve it. You know the things that you've done in the past. You know the things that you have said in the past. But yet, Christ loves you. And when you experience that, it's overwhelming that all you can do is just cry. And it's not a cry of sadness, but of joy that he actually loves me. Having a revival, having something stirred up in our hearts. All of us gets to do that. We all have a road to Damascus experience. It's only if we, um, it's just a matter of if we allow it to happen. And so as I've been working on this yesterday, within the last 24 hours, God told me to change my sermon. And I was telling that with some people. I was like, I have no notes. And I was like, Lord. See, I also work for the fire department. I've been there for 15 years. And there's some, we do training and we learn and we, we go to the academy to prepare us for our job. We go to school to prepare us for our mission. Right? And, and they don't take that mission lightly. Why? Because we could die. If we're not trained and we're not up to par in our, in our ability to be able to go inside of a burning building and to get out of there safely, we shouldn't be doing it. And so we train. We go to school. We do our research because as the world changes, everything else changes, right? Even just with the technology. We have to learn to adapt to those changes. So it's a constant struggle of new things, new inventions, and new uh, tactics on how to fight a fire and, and all these things to look for. But one thing has always stayed the same. It takes people to do it. Or a couple of things have stayed the same. It takes people to do it, to literally physically to get in and to find the fire and to put it out. And then another thing that hasn't changed is they made a call. When our officers that are outside on scene, they're looking at the big picture. See, they see things that possibly the guys that are inside the structure probably would not see or able to see or not capable of seeing. So they depend on the officers who are outside and their job is to watch over the men who work under them. Do you get where I'm going? Their job is to make sure that they are our eyes and our ears and to make sure that those guys that are in there fighting the fire, that they are safe. And if anything happens or things, if the structure is not uh, sound, uh, is not strong, and they see it becoming weak, they do a mayday call. And they train us to listen to that mayday call. And that mayday call is the air horn of the engine. So that air horn, when you're in there and you're fighting fire, or you're doing a, a search and rescue, you always have to be in the back of your mind to pay attention for that sound. And the officer on scene, he sees what's going on. He sees that it's not safe. Something's not going right. Disaster's about to happen. And he goes in and he tells the, 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 op, the pump operator, he'll go in there and tell him to honk the horn. Do their horn. Honk! 
ah, ah, real loud. And it actually kind of sounds like that. We hear that. We know that we got to stop what we're doing and make our way out because something is going on. Well, church, there's a mayday call that's going. Something is not right. Something is not right with our community, in our churches, in our in our town, in our state, in our nation, in our world, there's just something that's not right. And I believe that God is calling. He's doing a mayday call. Now, for everyone, there is something that's not right. We are heading in the wrong direction or we're making some, some decisions that are not based on truth, not based on his word. And we think that we might know it all and we just let, we ignore God and we tend to miss the mark. And there's a mayday call. And that mayday call for this morning is to the men. It's to the men of the church. We have to step up, men. We have to be in position where God is going to use us. Because if not, I read some some statistics and I shared this with a lot of people the last several months and and the numbers are not exact, but they're close. And I read that if the child in the home receives Christ, there's a 20 percent chance that the rest of the family will receive Christ. If the mother of the home receive receives receives Christ, there's like a 40 percent chance that the family will come to know Christ. If the father, the man of the house, receives Christ, there's a 90% chance that the family will come to know Christ. You see that? Those numbers. The impact, man. The responsibility that God has for us. We cannot take that job lightly. If God once, if, if the enemy wants to split God's church, he will not walk through the doors of the church. He'll walk through the doors of your house. He'll come through your house, through your children, through your spouse, through your job. The enemy has come to what? Kill, steal, and destroy. The last several months, I've had a... a, a a heavy burden on my heart for men. For men. Now, even though this message may be for men, women, you could also learn from this. If you have a godly husband that is taking the leadership of the row and he's taking uh, the, the family in the direction that God and you are helping him because you are called to be our helper And we need you, ladies, in our lives. We need you. Continue to allow him to lead. But men, if your wives are the ones that has to get you out of bed to come to church, there's something wrong. Why, uh, men, if the the ladies, uh, if your spouses have to get you to pray, for the food or pray for the family, there's something wrong. 
I don't want to make anybody feel bad or anything, but I'm not here to win a popularity contest. I'm not here to try to be the biggest church in Sweetwater. I am here to have people come to know Christ based on God's word and only his word. Because God is right, everyone else is wrong. Amen? Yes. And we have to come to that. We have to, there has to be a point in our lives where we have to be like, man, I did it wrong. I was thinking, well, Jesus, of course, is always the answer, right? Jesus is the man, right? We, we have to start with Jesus. Man, and he was saying that. He says, I came to do the will of my father. He was already teaching us men to, be sur- to surrender to our father. And that's what we have to do, man. We have to learn to surrender to Jesus. Surrendering is a big problem for us men, Right? Surrender is a big problem, and I haven't even started on my sermon. I just saw the time. But we have to learn, men, to surrender to Jesus. There's somebody above us. There's someone that's in charge. Man, we are just blessed that he allows us to be in charge of our little rim, our little world, our rim of influence. We're going to be looking at the first man in Genesis. The beginning of Genesis, chapter 2. Starting in verse 7. Let's pray. Father God, we just thank you and love you. But Father God, I need you. We need you. Father, I pray that the words that are coming out of my mouth, they're not my words, but they're your words, Father. And Father, I pray that as men of the church, as your sons, we take back what the enemy has stolen from us. We get our focus back on what the enemy has has distracted us from. And Father, I pray that a shifting will be made this morning in our lives. Not only in the men, but in, in our wives, in our daughters, in our families, our grandmas, grandpas, everyone, Father, that is here this morning and those that are listening. Minister to us this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. In verse 7. Creation of man. And it says that in the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground. And breathed into his nostrils and the breath of life. And a man became a living being. Whoo. Let's just stop right there and just soak that in. God's breath in us. He formed us out of the ground. That's amazing. 
That's amazing that just by his breath will bring life. We see how powerful his words are when he created the heavens and the earth and everything in it by just speaking. The scripture says that he formed us out of the dirt. That's amazing. And he breathed life into us. I don't know where you are in your walk. Maybe you feel like you're just spiritually dead, but I want to tell you, God still breathes life into us. And he still breathes life into you. Just sometimes we just have to stop and allow him to breathe. In verse 8, it says, the Lord God planted a garden eastward in Eden, and there he put the man whom he had formed. Woo. I like to say that he put Richard there. He put Richard here in Sweetwater, Texas. He put Richard here at Avondale Baptist Church. He put Richard here at the Sweetwater Fire Department. Because it's personal. God placed us here. God placed you here in Sweetwater. God placed you here in Avondale. God placed you here in this community. Our personal God wants us to have a personal relationship with him. In verse 9, and out of the ground, the Lord God made every tree grow that is pleasant to the sight and good for food. The tree of life was also in the midst of the garden and the tree of knowledge of good and evil. Okay. God is doing some amazing things here just in these short few verses. He created man. He hasn't given Eve yet, right? He hasn't gave Adam Eve, right? Right now it's just Adam and all this food that God has planted. God's making him a home. God gave him a place, a place of residence. How awesome is that? That God has built us a place of residence. And we know that our residence here on earth, but there's a residence that's being built for every single one of us who comes to know Christ. He's building it. And it's going to be amazing. And then skip down to verse 15. Then the Lord God took the man and put him in the garden. Oh, man, I just, when I hear that action, God just put, placed. That just, it's amazing. God, you, you, you put me here? You've placed me here? You've given uh, me to Becky and Becky to me? You did that? took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to tend and keep it. So we see that God gave Adam. God gave Adam a residence, a place to stay, and then he gives him a job. He gives him a job. And he says, and put him in the garden of Eden to tend 
and to keep it. And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, Of every tree of the garden you may freely eat, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat, for in the day that you eat of it you shall surely die. We see that he gave his word. But of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you shall not eat. Gave him his command. For in the day that you eat of it, you shall surely die. And the Lord God said, it is not good that man should be alone. I will make him a helper comparable to him. And out of the ground, the Lord God formed every beast of the field and every bird of the air and brought them to Adam to see what he would call them. Gave him some more work. Gave him some more things to do. Gave him a job. And this is a really big, important job. Like God brought him all the all the animals, and he was going to see what Adam was going to name them. Man, you see the responsibilities that God has for us even in today's time? He wants us to be back in position in the way he first created and the job that he intended us and the relationship that he intended us to have. And whatever Adam called each living creature, that was its name. So Adam gave names to all cattle, to the birds of the air, and to every beast of the fields. But for Adam, there was not found a helper comparable to him. And the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall on Adam. And he slept, and he took one of his ribs and closed up the flesh in its place. And then the rib which the Lord God had taken from the man... He made into a woman. And he brought her to the man. That right there is the best part of, of the story. Ladies, we appreciate everything that you do for us. We see the breakdown of our families. We see mothers have to do the job, both jobs of the man and their job. We see grandmothers raising kids. We see fatherless homes everywhere throughout our community. Where is the man? What happened? Why? It hurts me so much because I, I'm a man. I've done the same thing. I've gone through the same struggles. My parents were divorced, and I see the things that my mom had to go through just to be able to put food on the table. She has to work three jobs. Hardly ever got to see her kids because she needed just enough money to make those ends meet. And we see it today. 
We see it today. There's, there's, there's not a shortage of man, but there's a shortage of biblical man. There's a shortage of kingdom men. And it's time, men, for us to rise up. It's time for us to get in the position where God has created us in the beginning as we see and start doing the will of the Father. Because if we could grab hold of the men, if we can grab hold and just shake them up a little bit and say, look, this is what God wants us to do. This is how he intended us to be, to be the spiritual leaders in our homes, to be the spiritual leaders of our community and be the spiritual leaders in our church. Not the other way around. So many times I see it, broken homes, split up families. We see the drug addictions. We see sexual uh, relationship problems with the youth. And again, when we minister to these kids, 95, 98% of them are from fatherless homes. What did it for me? What was it that changed? What was my encounter? Because I wasn't saved until I was 23 years old. I'm only a 21-year-old Christian. In the worldly sense, I'm, I'm in my prime, right? When you're tw- you remember when you were 21 years old? <laughs> you were in your prime. I'm just in my prime spiritually. Thank you, Jesus. But I wasn't always like that. See, in the, in the standards of the world as, as how a man should be is I should just work, put food on the table, put a roof over my family's head, and, 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 and clothes on their backs, and then I could drink all the beer I want, Right? I could play video games all day long, as long as I take care of those things, right? Wrong. Wrong. We have a job to do. We have a purpose, and it's a very big job, and it's a very big purpose, and it's for his kingdom. 1 Corinthians Chapter 16, be watchful, stand firm in the faith and act like men. Be strong. Man, I used to think that Jesus was, was this sissy. I used to think that. Man, he just loved everybody. Oh, man, God, Jesus forgives everything. He's so tenderhearted and, and he just loves everything. He never raises his voice. He never busted out with a belt. Never threw a chancla at anybody, you know. But he did. He got angry. There was a righteous anger about him. And he did. What do I always say about, uh, to you, church? The people that gave Jesus the most problems were who? Religious people. It was religious people. And we read a couple of weeks ago, he was just straight up calling them, you hypocrites. 
vipers, you snakes. Woo! I, and as I started, and as I continue to study and grow, I'm seeing this, this man, this Jesus, who is strong. Yes, he is loving. But boy, he stood to his father's truth. He stood up against those educated people, those religious people. And he standed firm. He standed firm on the God's, on God's promises and on his will and, and on his word. And I was convicted in that. Why? Because I'm like, Lord, Lord, I don't want to be, I don't want to really say this. I don't really want to do this because I might, I might offend the people. I might step on somebody's toes and I don't know how they'll feel. And are you trying to tickle people's ears? So many times we do. And church, I want us to know people are going to hell. It's not a game. It is not a game. We don't need to be playing church. We don't think that the devil is this, this cartoon-looking guy with a pitchfork and red tights. He's a serious demon that all he wants to do is come and do what? Kill, steal, and destroy. And he'll use whatever tactic. He'll use whatever is going on in your life against you. And men, we have been so distorted. We have been so uh, just uh, into our own mess and into our own pride and self-righteousness that we got away from truth. And my job and, 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 and I feel like my, what God is, is calling me to do is for the men to let's get back on track. Because that's what's awesome, right? Because that's exactly what Christ did. That was the reason why he died on the cross, right? For restoration. So he could bring us back into a relationship with our holy God. See, do you understand that? Do you understand that how holy our God is? There is no sin. Anything that is unholy cannot be in the presence of God. And it's through Jesus, the blood of Jesus and what he has done and what he has went through and conquered on the cross. We have opportunity. We have this salvation. That we can be restored. That we can be restored. back into our relationship with Christ the way he first began with Adam. See, when Adam and Eve, God was walking. God was walking with them. How amazing is that? That the Lord wants to walk with us. He wants to be in every part of our lives. In chapter 3, of Genesis. Now the serpent was more cunning than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made, and he said to the woman, 
Has God indeed said you shall not eat of every tree of the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, We may eat the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God has said that you shall not eat it, nor shall you touch it, lest you die. Then the serpent said to the woman, you will not surely die. For God knows that in the day you eat of it, your eyes will be open and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, that it was pleasant to the eyes and the tree desirable to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate Isn't that just how the enemy works? They had all these great things that was going for them. All these trees, all these beautiful fruits and and vegetables and plants and everything that they had. But the enemy had them focus on the one thing that they cannot have. You have all these great blessings going for you. You have all these things that God has been doing, but you cannot help but to just keep your focus on the things that are not going so great. Yeah, but look, you're struggling with this. Yeah, but look, you're doing that. And then he deceives us. He deceives us and of the 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 I like to call it the 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 lie of one more time. Yeah, but you know, it's okay if you do this. Just one more time. It's okay to look at this one more time. God will forgive you, won't he? Because his word says that he'll forgive you. So if you go ahead and do it and ask for forgiveness later, it's okay. Do you see how that enemy is talking and whispering in your ear? I know because he says that to me all the time. That's exactly what we see here. And they ate. And this is an interesting thing, too. He says, Of every tree of the garden you may freely eat, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat. He didn't say anything about touching it. But the woman said, we may eat the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, you shall not eat it, nor shall you touch it. Where did she get that from? Where did she get that from? Scripture doesn't say that God spoke to Eve. Whose responsibility is it for the family to get The word. Whose responsibility is it for the family to come and to hear the gospel? Whose responsibility is it to read and speak of God's doing in the family? It's men. See, Adam says, look, I'm fixing to give you some word that God, some commandments that God told us. We could have all this. But from this tree, don't eat from it. And Adam said, it's so serious, I don't even want you to touch it. Don't touch it. 
I don't want you to get so close to it that you just touch it. No, he said, just stay away. See, man, it's our job to not only be the leaders of our home, but we also have to be the spiritual leaders of our home. We have to guide them into God's word and train them up to be children of God, to be soldiers for Christ, to be warriors of the gospel. And then we see what happened was, and we know, that they took from it. Because we see in verse 9, then the Lord God called to Adam and said to him, where are you? Where are you? Now, when I read that, I was thinking, Lord, don't you know everything? Right? God knows it all, right? Why was he asking a question like this? Todd, where are you? Tarina, where are you? Eric, where are you? Kiki, where are you? Gary, where are you? Stephen, where are you? Aubrey, where are you? Pam, where are you? Marley, where are you? He's calling us by name, church, just as he called Adam. God was at the garden in his residence where he had a job for him, gave him the commandments, gave him his word. He was being the, the, the father. He was being the, the man, the spouse, sharing the word, his, God's commandments with Eve. They sin. Now, God's coming back in the picture. Adam, where are you? Now, my mind is, God, you know where I'm at. You know it all. Was he really asking a question of a place of location? Or was he asking a question of a place of position? Why did you lose your position? Why weren't you in position to take care of this matter? Man, why are we not in position where God calls, calls us to be in? We're called to be sons of the Most High through Jesus. And then he tells us that we have to be leaders in our families, in our church, in our community. But for a lot of us, we lost that position. The enemy. Some people say, well, Richard, you give the enemy too much credit. I don't think we give the enemy enough credit. Because it is the schemes of the enemy. But in closing, I'm going to finish. What I like about or what I love about God's word is that he gives us the opportunity to get back on track. He gives us the opportunity to give us the spiritual eyes to allow us to see things differently. 
And as Gary comes up and we prepare for a closing, men, ladies, I want to ask you this. Where are you at? Where are you at in your walk with Christ? Are you in position in a place where he is wanting you to be at and to serve and to grow and to experience him? Maybe you're not. See, he gives us the opportunity to come to the altar and just to leave it all here. And to repent. And repent means is that we turn away from our old ways and go to a different direction. Repent doesn't mean to, to ask forgiveness while you're still going in the same direction, as you're still going towards that sin. God, forgive me uh, for I sinned uh, yesterday, but I'm heading to that same sin today. But I know that you're going to forgive me, but I'm still coming over here because I know that you're going to forgive me. But so it's okay to see it. No, repentance is that you're going in one direction and you see it and you see that it's not in the will of God and you seeing that it's a sin and you saying that and you see how it's it's disturbing your relationship with with God and with Jesus and with your family and your work and everything else. And you say, you know what, I'm just I'm tired of doing it on my own. I'm not going to do it on my own. Forgive me for what I have done. And I want to turn away from my sins and I want to go in this direction. He gives us those opportunities. And so this opportunity here, as Gary, you go ahead and play. And we're ending. I want to give you all a, an opportunity to get back on track. See, we're fixing to take communion. We take communion because we do this in remembrance of what Christ has done. I love that. In remembrance of what he's done. Sometimes we have to be reminded. A lot of times we have to be reminded. I know I, was, I had to be reminded in my place as being a man, as being the leader in my home, the leader in my community, and the leader in the church. Yes, it hurts. I struggled with it. It's not easy, it's hard. Oh, but it's a great thing that God calls us to be. And ladies, you have a relationship with Christ. And, and, and the scriptures even tells us that, men, we can't be getting in the way in the relationship of, of God and, and our ladies. They're just as important. They are a helper. We If we are blessed with with the spouse, we are blessed with a helper because God knew we couldn't do it on our own, on our earth, earthly. We can't do it physically. And I praise God for Becky. But I want to take this time. What is the Holy Spirit saying to you? Is he telling you to come back and maybe repent from any sins that is in your life? Even disobedient to the Lord is a sin. Maybe there's something that God is calling you to do and you're like, no, I don't want to do that. Yes, I want you to do it. No, Lord, I don't want to do that. I don't, feel, I don't feel right with that. Maybe he's calling you to help VBS. Oh, Lord, I don't want to do that. I don't get along with kids. But he keeps calling you. We have to take that step of faith. Is that you?
take that opportunity now. Thank you, Father God, for this wonderful message. We pray that it has been a comfort and a blessing to our listeners. Thank you for taking the time to join us here at Avondale Baptist Church. Until we see you again, always remember, Jesus loves you.